We have a special edition of Taking Care of Business this week. I am joined by Professor Michael Waters, who has just launched a new book called The Essential Guide to Dubai Real Estate. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? So an exciting week for you. It is. Busy, yeah. yeah. So what have you, um, what's, what's different about this week for you? Tell me you've got a, a little launch that's just happened. Yeah, so... Um yeah, one of my uh, gifts to the market is is my new book, which is, as you said, the essential guide to the Dubai real estate market. That um, was officially launched by the publisher yesterday. Very good. Well, congratulations. So it's not normal um, on taking care of business to have an academic. So we're uh, we're privileged. You can kind of raise the bar a little bit of the uh, of some of the things that we're talking about today. So. Uh, we've asked Michael to come on uh, in line with obviously his book launch. It, it, to my knowledge, it's it's uh, if not the first, one of very very few books that really dig deep in into what it takes to buying a property and the uh, mechanics of a Dubai real estate and really what the future may look like. So it's something I'm very much looking forward to reading. It was as I say out yesterday. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, Michael. You've been here since when? Uh, Dubai. 2009. So I I came here um, with the university. So I've been a loyal uh, a loyal uh, employee of the university for, for yeah for 14 years. And I and I was coming out to launch our MSc in real estate program, which is a program that we have to train um, the industry to become chartered surveyors. And that can be you know property valuers, uh, that can be commercial uh, real estate. Um, Advisors. Does that have any tie up with, with Ricks at all back home? It does. Yeah. Okay. So the program is accredited by Ricks. Students will come on, do our program, and uh, sort of two years of workplace training with a with a firm would be able to become a surveyor. So that's really interesting. So um, today, obviously, which university do you work at? Harriet Watt University. Harriet Watt University. Scottish one. Based in Edinburgh, but obviously in Dubai as well. Okay. So someone today wants to get into being a surveyor. Yep. Obviously, come to you guys. How does it work? What do they have to do? What does the work the work entail? So they, so most of our students, a large portion of our students are actually working. So they're using the qualification to upskill, and our our courses are delivered on our campus in Knowledge Park um, in the evening and weekends. Yep. So it's really designed for people to you know earn at the same time as, as learning. Yep. Or learning and earning, yep. whichever way you want to look at it. So they could do. They could have a normal day job, study in the weekends or, yeah. or night time. Yeah. So we kind of give the path of either a you know, sort of someone moving up within a firm, so they want to become more senior senior management level, or we have people who've kind of been working in different aspects of, of real estate, and they want to get into some more of the, I would call it strategic, yeah, business careers that are built around the real estate industry. Very interesting. Okay. So a little bit about the book and what was the reason why you decided to write it? What's, you know, what, I've seen been here a little while now and you've seen a lot of change yeah. in the Dubai real estate market. What kind of preempted you to say, right, this is, this is the right time now to do this? Okay. So, I mean, I think it was just, I mean, as, I, as I've been teaching and delivering information to different audiences, it was the fact that, as you said at the start, there was a lack of, of a, of a sort of a, a good book that covered uh, a wide range of topics. So it's, I would say it's a, it's it's fairly fairly syllabus led. So I'm talking about things that I talk in the classroom, but I've also written it in the way that it's not. Um, I, 
you know, high, highly academic. It's yeah. supposed to be something that you can pick up, you can read. Oh, I, I didn't know this about Dubai. Oh, I've never thought about looking at the way you have in analysing, you know, a property purchase here. I haven't really got any knowledge or too much knowledge about how do I start investing in real estate here. So there's been a whole journey of um, uh, evolution, I think, in the industry. Which, at, at the point of right, at the point of starting to write the book, I thought we've really, I've really got to sort of put some of these ideas down try and put it in a clear way so that people benefit from knowing more about Dubai. Did a lot of your experiences or the reason for writing the book, because you're an investor in Dubai, right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you've invested in Dubai. Yeah. Um, uh, was it because of your investing experience or was it really driven by really speaking or just doing the job every day and thinking that actually I can offer a bit more to, to what I'm doing? Yeah, I think I think the I think the the point, yeah, the point is that I've been here for an extensive period of time, um, and I I wanted to sort of share some of those insights. You know, not not that I'm you know someone that everyone should listen to in that way, but you know, from a different aspect, an impartial aspect. You know, I'm not I'm not writing a book to create more sales for a business that I own, or I'm not writing it for any other. You know, I'm not launching a software platform and and talking about talking about that. So. It was just an opportunity to try and give something back and say, look, I these this is my view on the market. I've worked here. I've had I've had the benefit of working here, observing market practices, and it's also not just written. You know, I have I have linked in with industry uh, to to give it to give their insights. Obviously, I, I'm limited to to how much I know, so I've enriched the book by by reaching out to to my connections to give their insights as well to again to the benefit of of the people reading it. We were talking off camera, and I think um, a lot of people in Dubai don't know really what it takes to buy a house in Dubai. Obviously, there's there's it's, there's lots involved with the process, but to get to the point of moving here and then eventually buying, t tell us a little bit about your learnings or thought process from someone at day zero, they've, they've moved to Dubai, yeah. to working here establishing a line to eventually buying tell us what you've you found that we we had a bit of a debate about about that didn't we yeah i, I guess i guess my entry to dubai was a bit fortunate looking back i, I was i came in 2009 you know there's a lot of panic yeah <laughs> and there was a, but there was also a lot of opportunity and i i was probably at that point where i i was either gonna if i just stayed in the uk i was gonna have bought something there for the reason that i wanted to get on the property ladder i was in dubai and i thought well I still want to be here for five, at least five years. Let me let me put some money down. Uh, you know, I am teaching real estate. I should preach a little bit what I practice, practice and preach. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that enabled me. But I, I think for anyone looking now, you've got to, you know, it's a it's a planning process. And some of the elements of the book is about you know how much how much should you set aside, and that doesn't mean you know stop living and breathing in Dubai, but it just gives people an idea of the the level of commitment to now save for that 20 percent deposit and of course it is challenging at the moment with with the price appreciation that we we've seen so um it's it's giving a bit of a yardstick as to if you're thinking about investing here how long does that planning process need to be where should you put you where should you keep your money what kind of assets should you put your money in will we just building up will we see you on 
breakfast TV as the new Martin Lewis of money saving in Dubai. Well, because that's what that's what we're trying to get at, yeah. really, isn't it? Which, but it's a little bit of education of really what it takes to save for your first property or a, or a property in Dubai. Yeah, I mean, I think the audit, you know, the conversations that I have, uh, we could say dinner table conversations, yeah. but just conversations anyway, is the attitude is changing. Before it was very much everything goes home. I'm yeah. investing at home. Now people are starting to see the the benefits of investing here, and so one of the chapters is is looking at that in a real objective sense to say, um, what does Dubai offer you as a real estate market, as an expat working here? And how, you know, how, how does it help diversify your saving for the future? And I don't want to spoil the book too much, because obviously there's, we, we, yeah, we, we'd, we'd encourage people to read it, and certainly I'll be doing the same, but um, what, what, when, when you speak to people across the dinner table about yep. Investing here versus back home. What's the main driver? I mean, I, I, I mean, most people need somewhere. Everyone needs somewhere to live. Yeah, and you've got a choice between renting or buying. But is tax a factor? What, what's the what's the the biggest driver of placing money here? Because you're right in what you say. I mean, I've seen a big dynamic shift where I think when I moved here in 2008, every single person had the mindset of I'm going to be here for two years or an amount of money, and I'm going home. Yeah. Because obviously around the world, every single a lot of countries are, are really, really suffering. Is it is it keeping people here longer now because of what's happening back home? Is it what is it for? For my people, I think um, you know just I think just the city's got to a phase. It's got to a scale where people actually can see the lifestyle benefits here. It's yeah. not fragmented. We have all the you know we have the the best F and B you know amenities we have a lot of good infrastructure for both uh singles and families and so it, it, it appears it's an appealing city to be in and i think probably now is where all of that hard work that dubai has put in in terms of creating a city uh had to go through that building process yeah. and probably when you and i came you know it it was still very fragmented yeah. the, the the places that we went to but now if you look at the diversity of choice where you know not only where we live work and invest you know there's a whole range of things that just make i i personally think make dubai one of the the best places because i used to go back to the uk and be like oh we don't have this in dubai yeah yeah but i don't i don't i'm as i said before we started i haven't been back to the uk some of those reasons are because we've got everything here but yeah the the um Certainly, the infrastructures. You miss. Uh, what I've realised it's a good point. You're saying I feel like you miss home less because they, uh, the, the country, or the city, has accommodated for practically everyone. Whether it's even like just silly things like your favourite food, for example. You know, there's there's a lot more choice now, a lot more availability. And um, you know, w- what's impressed me most about the city and my uh, optimism for the future is certainly how the last several years you know i've seen so much improvement really in the last three years than probably i had in the previous 10. Yep. um and I th- maybe that's through younger leadership and you know certainly coming up and having their say on, on things yeah I, I think i think one of the things that that dubai's benefit is is, is the way it's governed yep. and you know i think i heard uh this week that the uk again our home country they've had five or six prime ministers in in sort of three years, isn't it, or something ridiculous? Yeah, I think 40, so, 40 odd days for one. Of so them. that knocks confident that you know that 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 blueprint of where the city's going is 
is it's fuzzy. Whereas here you say, well, these are the plans. We're now looking to twenty forty. Yeah. Kind of this is what we're going to build. This is where it's going to be built. This is these are our aspirations. It's almost the business plan. It's the investment business plan for people. And and again, referenced to some of the stuff in the latter part of the books is how how is it going to be? How is it going to be uh, as a as a future city? Do you think people? Um, so for from a business owner. Hearing a 2030 plan, 2040 plan yep. is music to my ears because it tells me there's a vision, there's a goal, there's, there's something they want to work towards. So for me, it's great because I, me and Lewis always talk about every car on the road and the roads are really busy at the yep. moment. Every car on the road is a future client or a potential client. But do you think for someone just living here, that matters to someone about seeing the plan for the Dubai to future as a business is great, but yeah. for not for someone that doesn't have an invested interest in a business, yeah. do you think people care? Well, I think they do. I mean, as I said, for linking it to an investment, like yeah. if, I, if I was saying, look, uh, you know, what sometimes people would say, look, I'm only going to be here three years. I said, well, have it as an investment then. You don't need to live here to have an investment in Dubai. Yeah. So it does offer the it offers the confidence of. Um, just showing what the city's going to look like. And again, aspirational, but I think what we know by looking back is that, you know, the government have delivered on most of the metrics that they, they've they uh, laid out previously. Um, I think people have, are basing themselves here. You know, it is, it you know, early on in Dubai's history, its advantage was its geographical position. That That's not changed. The world is sort of geography hasn't changed. So that still is an advantage particularly for families who are split across different countries. You know, they base themselves here. They're close to Europe. They're close to Australia, Asia, wherever the, the mix is. So it certainly is appealing from that perspective as well. How much does looking back factor in looking forward in your view of the real estate market? Because there's been a lot of change. It'll make you cry when you look at the numbers. Really? Yeah. Price per square foot. <laughs> well, it's not. I, mean, I, you don't I, I know what we're selling yeah. exactly at the time. I know... Yeah. At how quickly and how steep yeah. the decline was yeah. um, over a six twelve month period. You know when the Lehman Brothers and a lot of the banks collapsed in the in the US, days you were losing hundreds of thousands on a property every single day. It was it was crazy, and I think what we're talking about off camera was that the difference today and and um, and obviously fifteen years ago was that. Uh, there's so much liquidity in this market right now. Obviously, we would, uh, with 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 banks, you have the, the entry to marketplace. You now have to put down a substantial deposit. Whereas 15 years ago, I'm sure, from memory serves me right, you could get 90 or even 95 percent mortgages. Yeah. Um, so, what 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 does that looking back on obviously Dubai then and now? What are the biggest differences from aside from liquidity? Well, I think on that reference to the the central bank and the loan to values that came in and I, I sort of anchored them at 2013 is when we had this revolution of of saying look no no more uh sort of if you like free free lending we had this increase in transfer fees and we had the um more stringent loan to values which obviously came down uh, in the last couple of years but it's 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 dampened the volatility of the market, which is a good thing because, um, again, when people invest, you know, I, I look I look at over a twelve month period during the financial crisis and and two thousand thirteen fourteen, and you know I look at it at points where the market's increased and where it's decreased, 
and the gap in in that same time period is is going is, is very different. You're going to be in a position in the financial crisis where you're in a, you're in significant negative equity, whereas with the with the higher caps, yes, it's it's hard work to it, it does it does close the door short term, but it but it also means that when you do invest, you're not going to have those those jumpy uh, values. And I think just on one other point is that the availability of data that that's come into the market is also to the benefit. So those two things together, I would say, a good long-term stabilizers of the market. When we talked about that tech and data, so I think that for me, information is so important. One for obviously the stability of the marketplace, but I always say when people are buying, <clears throat> they buy an emotion yep. and justify with logic. Yep. Uh, and obviously the data is the logic. Yep. Um, when someone's buying a property, let's say someone's living in a house, do you, to buy in the, the, the home, do you think data is important to them? If they're, if they're an end yeah, user. Yeah, end user. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it's useful to the point of understanding where you're buying in, in the cycle. But yeah. I think, uh, and sometimes people who are investing money, that, you know, they don't, if they haven't bought with some significant sort of plan behind it, you know, then when there is a downturn, they get nervous and they panic and everything else happens and it unravels as a as an investment like it would in, in any uh, case. But I think, yeah, there is a difference between, I think an end user, you know, principally, you've got utility. Yeah. You've got the house, you've got the security. It's for it's for your family. It's to, it's to avoid those awkward conversations with the landlord when they want to sell or when they want to try and, evict you for, for 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 changing the rent and so on so it gives it gives you the utility value and i've always looked at it you know i've, I've never invested here on a speculative basis i, I try not to speculate yeah <laughs> uh but, so I've, I've done it on a more utility-based approach you talk about speculation and i'm a salesman so and i have been since i left school at 16 it's all i've done obviously as years gone by i've you know obviously looked at different sides of the business and learned a bit more but in a in a really strange way, I love a boring single digit property market growth. I don't like this whoop, up 20, 30, 40% because yeah. it isn't sustainable. You know, if we can get low, mid, four, five, six percent a year, that's good for me. I'm happy with that. And I think investors here in Dubai are starting to come around to what <laughs> What, you know, four, five, six percent is good. It's normal, certainly more than the UK anyway. Um, and actually, not seeing that massive spike in prices, I think people are welcoming the fact there's a lot more control, there's more measures. Like I say, I said, we said off camera, one of the most important things in the last few years for me is the the, the efforts at government level to really harness our, our marketplace, to harness my competition and us as a business to say, no, these are the things you have to do. For example, the introduction of smart forms. We talk about tech off uh, off camera, and you know the involvement of tech in Dubai as a whole has made things so much easier. I think living here is you can do everything on your phone these days. Yep. Um, you know, whether it's you can. Uh, the other day, I, I bought a car, and um, I, I was able to register the car. <laughs> I was able to pay my fines. I was able to to do my uh, my static all in at the pit at the yep. film, which is incredible. Yep. You know, you do that back home, it's like, now I've got to go here, I've got to send this, I've got to do that. Um, so technology as a whole, I feel, has been a huge enabler. For example, 
one of the biggest issues in the market last few years has been fake listings. Yep. So <clears throat> if you don't know, in Dubai real estate market, you may have adverts placed online with a property portal from an agency of a property that when you call about it, all of a sudden that property is not available. Okay. It probably wasn't ever available in the first place anyway. Um, so the, the, what they've done in the last couple of years is the uh, DLD, Dubai Land Department, have introduced smartphones. So essentially what, what you, we have to do now is for every single listing, we have to get an owner to digitally uh, acknowledge and sign from their registered email address that they are given permission for that real estate brokerage to advertise their property. And that's limited to three real estate agencies. It's been loosely in place for many, many years. However, certainly the last 18 months, it's been, no, you must do this. Otherwise, these are the repercussions. What, that, what the, the, the impact of that is, is it's decreased the amount of advertisements online. And actually, it's probably played a part in controlling prices also because this perception of, oh, there are 50 properties available yeah. in Jumeirah Golf States when actually it's only four. Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, I think all of that helps, certainly. What differences has the book talked about with uh, this marketplace and more established big cities across the world? What what this, the, the, the differences which allows this place to be uh, somewhere in the future to, to invest in? What are some of the things you've seen? Okay, uh, well, we've, we've touched on one of the ma major things, which is, is the governance, uh, the, you know, the long-term vision, you know, investing because Dubai as a as a business, uh, if you treat investing as a business, it, it's got a good long term strategy behind it that is is, is unlikely to shift uh, largely away from that. Um, comparatively speaking, I've I've kind of looked at um, the the transparency side of things. You know what's evolved in terms of, and really helping maybe international uh, investors and new entrants who who have just come to Dubai just understand what portals and platforms they can look at and they and you know the impact that that's going to have on on sort of benchmarking Dubai with with other global cities we do have some metrics that we can compare uh you know the local market with international markets but I would say that the analysis has always been looking at these traditional uh, mature markets looking at so, so one of the chapters is on diversification and, and using Dubai as part of your portfolio so there's a comparison in terms of you know the returns you can receive, and and the opportunity. Obviously, the big one is is the is the uh, the short term letting. You know, Dubai as a as a touristic hub is, is that's a huge enabler of people investing for multiple sort of uses. They might buy it as an end user. They might then turn it into a short term rental, like people did during Expo. Yeah. Um, so it, it, your investment turns into different. You know, it's dynamic, the same as it would be. So it, I think it offers um, a better investment than some of the more mature markets now because, you know, some of the cities in where I'm in the UK, they're not hot spot tourist destinations. They serve uh, the people that work there. Yep. Whereas I think Dubai offers a lot more um, dynamic and fluid investment opportunities. And also, even as we're going, we were talking about younger investors or first time buyers, they can invest in platforms on a on a crowdfunded basis. Yeah, those things are also attractive, and they're regulated by DIFC and other things that that have also evolved with with the market. So, people who want exposure to to real estate don't necessarily have to 
kind of hamper for that premium We'll touch on that very quickly. I'm obviously we won't name names of these companies, but yeah. essentially what you can do is you can buy a percentage of a property, could be for 5,000 dirhams, yeah. 10,000 dirhams, um, and your uh, amount of money would basically go in a, po- a pot or a pool with other people's investments, and essentially this company would buy on your behalf or you'd own a fraction of that property. So you could own a property today for as little as five, ten, fifteen thousand dirhams and receive regular returns yeah. in comparison to what your investment's been, which is I don't I, I keep in touch with what's happening around the world with the real estate markets and more so in the UK. I don't think I've seen that anywhere. Like on an app where you can invest there and then. Have you? <laughs> I I don't well yeah, there, there may be other, there may be similar platforms, but I haven't, I don't know of any in in the home market either. Um, but also DLD allow, you know, I think it's up to, isn't it, up to four owners can be on a title deed yes. through fractional ownership, which is again a sort of syndicate of buyers. So there are there are more affordable ways to get access to the market, which um, you know you, people can evaluate and, and and build up the equity to then invest in something themselves. Use the word affordable then. So I think I think one of the most overused words in in um, in, in the newspapers, in the press, and everything is high net worth individuals. So we've clearly seen a massive influx in the last twelve months from different parts of the world, whether it's Europe, Eastern Europe, um, and the impact of that is we've seen a huge shift in developers change their appetite for what they're building. So three, four, five years ago, there was, yeah, certainly 2019, around that period, there was a huge focus on villa townhouses, three bedrooms, launching sub 1.3, 1.4 million. Since um, and since the last 12 months, when we've seen this huge influx of money coming into Dubai and, 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 and high net worth individuals, practically every single launch at the moment is either branded, it's either so uh, you, know, you know, above 20, 25, 30 million dirhams. Do you feel that, from your perspective, do you think we're getting a bit carried away with trying to serve outside the market and not forget actually the people that come here and want to buy their first home? Well, as I, yeah, I think we, we've, we've got to separate those two. They are obviously clearly different, serv- servicing different sections of the um uh, of the market so i think one of the th- again just i'm just trying to think of some of the stats that i put in the book uh, about uh, ultra high net worth individuals and you know i think back um you know 10 years ago the city was being planned for like nine and a half million and obviously that population wasn't there so there was it was servicing a huge amount of foreign capital and i think one one of the things that's kind of aligned with that is the value side of Dubai in that segment of the uh, of the super prime market, because you know you've got these huge extravagant villas, uh, and we're coming we came out of, we're coming out of a period of time where you're probably going to look around globally and say I can get us something similar, giving me a similar lifestyle, five times cheaper than more mature markets, even though to me the, the price tags are unaffordable yeah. so I can't, I'm not in that bracket but um, yeah I think to, from that perspective yes it's all relative to the fact that people will naturally look at what, what does Dubai offer yep. not just yeah, as a space so there's more space what's the lifestyle the climate all the add-on 
you know, F and B stuff that we were talking about. That's all going to add into, and even even when we look at the sort of granular level of apartment building, you've got a gym, you've got a concierge, you've got a pool, and those services you don't get. Well, I don't, I don't get them where I grew up. Now, do you know what Lewis? Lewis, Lewis uh, my business partner, Lewis said uh, actually the interest of interest a couple of weeks ago. He owns a property in Ells Court, London. And that property is beautiful looking on the outside, but there's uh, there's no concierge there. And he actually said, now he knows what he knows living here. His next purchase, he would he would like the niceties. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, what what we're we're finding with with these developments and that the frequency is so so huge with these these developments, I still believe there's actually probably not enough to service the amount of people here living here. The caveat to that though is. In the UK, we talked about off-camera, there is a certain percentage of um, a requirement for the home builder to have affordable housing in their development for every new development. I honestly believe that either a developer or a development should have a requirement every year to require you know, and build a level of affordable housing for that sector. I feel like it's being neglected right now and I feel like we can't forget that every single person coming into this country needs to start somewhere and we can't just focus on one end of the marketplace because that upward effect of what I'm, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing chain building which has never happened in you know certainly 15 years ago in the UK you buy a house and typically you sell your house to buy the next one that hadn't happened 10 years ago seven years ago but we're seeing it now where people are living here they're selling their home and they're linking that purchase to another onward purchase. But we still need to cater for that entry level where someone wants to live in a, a townhouse or a villa that's affordable and maybe they don't want to live in an apartment. Um, I just feel like moving forward, I feel like that, that has to be a factor on future developments. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it does. It, there is a history of, I mean, like... Um, 2014 when when we were talking affordability because it was at the top of the second cycle again the certain product went out to the market and it kind of oversupplied the market so there might be new mechanisms where we you know where the developer withholds a certain amount of units and, and offers sort of subsidized rent and they have the long-term income stream off that 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 would work that fits into some of the kind of build to rent models that we see in other markets yeah. and uh I think it's likely we see that. I think it's that's a sophisticated um, uh, angle on you know, property ownership, and I think it's definitely they call it shared ownership in the UK. So essentially, you can buy fifty percent of a property. The remaining fifty percent you would pay in rent to it'd be nominal rent, but it'd be rent to the developer to allow that person to be able to purchase and get onto the marketplace at a lower price point. So. I definitely feel like there's definitely legs in that, certainly moving forward. Before we wrap things up, we've got a couple of things. So we talked about the future of Dubai. And a couple of things you talked about was sustainability. And what was the other thing we talked about? Smart cities. Smart cities, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, so the the uh, sort of the waves of, of what's happening next are kind of the concluding thoughts in, in, in this book. Um, so one of the messages is uh, about attracting more institutional capital you know people you know institutions you know the funds pension funds they want to be putting money in the Middle East and buildings that are green rated is probably going to be the path 
for them to do that. So case studies like ICD Brookfield Place, which are a huge, a hugely successful projects and have had a huge amount of interest from, from occupiers that are trying to comply with ESG and everything else. Um, they're going to be really similar structures will be a good investment vehicle to bring foreign capital in, into Dubai that want exposure to the Middle East. Um, so I talk about the evolution of it. So it gives people a bit of a picture as to both commercially and residentially, where's that where's that lying? And of course, the, the blueprint of the future is, is based around, you know, provision of social spaces, more green parks, uh, cycle paths and, and all these other um, aspects. Is Dubai caught in the crosshairs though of, it has to be sustainable, like you say, to attract investment and also, you know, to be, you know, responsible to the environment. But obviously, the biggest driver of the economy, or one of, or was yeah. previously yeah. fossil fuels. Yeah, is is that kind of a the uh, court between a difficult? Place well, I there? think I think the the economy led off, you know, oil and so on is 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 quite is quite small for for Dubai now, um, and and. The only thing to sort of that counters sustainability is that is the building, you know, the whole. But the, the, this this is an issue that faces the whole real estate market globally: is that we're building new rather than looking at our existing stock, repurposing that stock, um, maybe being more efficient with our usage of spaces. And I and I focus that more on the commercial occupier, not yeah, not residential. And then the second part is 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 this smart cities. You know, what's the aspiration of Dubai? from a digital perspective and what's it trying to, how is it trying to build, what kind of new industries, again, diversing, diversifying the economy away from oil is one of the things that Dubai's done really well. So the digital economy is where Dubai's really trying to anchor in and bring more flexible, well, ways of working, but also attract talent. So one of the, one of the metrics that you assess the competitiveness of a city, so globally ranking, how attractive a city is, is the talent and the knowledge and the skills that that workforce have. So Dubai is really focused on bringing that human capital into Dubai, not just the financial capital. Got me the curveball for you. Okay. Okay. Do you think cryptocurrency will play a part in real estate in the future? Because um, we talk about tech yeah. and obviously Dubai in general is massively embraced. Yeah. Uh, cryptocurrency i have depending on what day you, you get me on i have different views um but it'd be interesting to see what your thoughts on blockchain and to, to yeah. enough people to understand what it is to to have it make an impact in the day-to-day real estate i think we again if we talk about evolutions we're probably at that point where a lot of people are talking about it yeah and they're trying to place it as you know we're the first platform to let you buy, but you're still going back to the fiat currency of whatever you're cashing out in. I think blockchain and the technology behind crypto is is, is going to be good because it's going to me. You know, you were talking about the efficiency of the trans of the transfer process and buying and selling. That transactional process can be done much more, yeah, uh, enabled on a blockchain platform. And we we will. I mean, we took. I had a. Uh, conversation about you know what's the metaverse going to look like for call for occupiers and all these things and i you know part of me is kind of skeptical about it but yeah. also that's where the world is is, is seemingly one you know what i don't want to ignore the metaverse and yeah. i don't want to be ignorant i don't want to be that guy but i just i can't get my head around living on with a pair of goggles on my, in my life 
bar and classes, it's not that different. I know, <laughs> like, but you can't see other people. I mean, I think the biggest, uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but the biggest uh, leveler on the metaverse or experiencing life through a set of goggles will be, in my view, what Apple does, because they tend to be the kind of the the the, front, the forefront of most good things, and then everyone else kind of follows suit. So it'd be interesting to see that plays out. You've got a book. You've got a particular chapter in your book. We'll we'll, we'll wrap it up here. So the ch- the chapter says, building a global real estate portfolio with Dubai real estate. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? So I I'm again I'm I'm, I'm addressing the, you know. The, the audience, an expat audience who are living here, um, they're investing. Obviously, they you know they're trying to build up some financial security while they're here. And I've just looked objectively at Dubai. How has it performed um, as a price history over the sort of twenty years? So it's on average around the four percent per annum mark. It's not as ch- choppy and wild as some of the newspaper headlines uh, <laughs> suggest. And of course, you know it, we're talking about a city average as well. Um, but also, what are the what are the strengths of diversifying? So you've got the you've you've got it backed by a U.S. basically a U.S. pegged currency. So that's attractive. So for, for, for going through what I've gone through, if I'd have invested all my money in, in sterling back home as a scenario, I'm going to be worse off today in U.S. purchasing power than I would have done if I hadn't have invested. What was the currency when you come in? What was the rate? Like <laughs> probably seven. Yeah, it was seven seven dirham close to seven. Unbelievable. Well, four and a half today. Made this look expensive, didn't it? Yeah. Or the other way around. Anyway, so so there's the currency play as well. There's the... Um, I actually looked at some of the more popular districts and said, look, if you'd have invested over a 10-year period, would you have done better than a, a global stock bond portfolio type of equation, which a lot of people that I speak to who are looking to invest, they typically do that kind. And, and Dubai outperformed in some of the more, more established districts. Really? Even with the volatility over the last seven, ten, what is it, ten years? Yeah, last ten years. Interesting. So, yeah. so the, you know, the, the core sort of Dubai residential markets outperformed on a, on a price growth uh, percentage. Um, what other things, to, you know, just again, the fact that I think the, towards the end of the chapter, you know, looking as to Dubai as the opportunity to, to leverage off um, elsewhere so you don't you know you wouldn't want to put all your money in crypto you don't want to put all your money in uk real estate so how does dubai serve you and it's probably built off the back of you know a utility argument but of course i've looked at the pure investment performance you know if you had invested these are the returns this is what you would have received it's just to kind of open up a discussion about uh dubai objectively and and, and examine it and try and demyth some of the Oh, it's too volatile. It's too expensive. It's too X, Y, and Z. Are you a bull or are you a bear on the future of Dubai real estate market? Um, I've always been a bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've answer. always been a bull. Yeah. Good. Right. So before we wrap things up, we have your book. Where can people find it? Well, how much it costs? What's where? Where? What? How did they buy it? So there's there's two main places to buy the book. You can buy it directly on Amazon. The publisher, which is Rootledge, also um, allow you to buy directly from their website. And um, today I'm going to give your listeners a, a, an exclusive discount code. If you wow, what a man. It's Ramadan tomorrow, so it is very much uh, it's a month of giving. So thank you very much. Knowledge gift, yeah. What's so, the discount code? Well, how can we get it? It's uh, Allsop20, so it's 20% off, but you, that's on the Rootledge website, not on Amazon. 
and what we'll do is we'll link all of the information in the bottom of the, the video so you can check it out there bit of Dubai news before we wrap things up on taking care of business so UAE consumer spending was up 19% last year according to Majid Al Fateh they said leisure and entertainment was up 29% so people clearly go into the cinema quite a lot uh, fashion was up 25%, hypermarkets and supermarkets were up 11%, general retail up 9%, that was UAE, UAE retail. Thoughts on that? It's all good, isn't it? <laughs> sounds good. It's all good, <laughs> sounds good to me. Sounds These people got more money in their pockets, spending more money. Well, they've got money to buy my book. Exactly that. <laughs> um, Dubai now has a Chinatown. Um, Locating Dubai, more visitors now can visit there and take pictures with a giant panda. They can eat there. And I think, clearly, they're gearing up for what will be maybe, and hopefully, a huge influx of Chinese coming to the city. Yep, we missed them. They're coming back. Come back, that's what we say. And lastly, uh, we talked about Dubai being a smart city. So certainly when I was growing up, I used to you know going getting around my, my hometown you know hailing a taxi and calling people down then days are over according to dubai so what they're saying now is 80 percent of all taxi journeys will be e-hailing service only so what they're saying is you can only book a taxi via an app so great for safety you knowing who you who your person is being booked to uh, hooked up by and no more waiting in the sweaty sun and sticking your hand out for uh, for a taxi and good planning to book the taxi you need exactly yeah so all good things thank you very much michael for, for joining us and taking care of business it's been a real pleasure and hopefully you'll join us again please make sure check out the book you want to learn anything about dubai real estate and the mechanics what it's like to buy here how do you buy here got to read this book and all the information will be in on the links below thanks guys thank you bye-bye